Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back and we're going right to the phones and joining us from Tightline Outdoors because uh, his our regular guest, Mr. Nate Zielinski, hopefully is tracking down a bighorn sheep and Will Dykstra is going to join us. Good morning, Will. Good morning, Carrie. How are you today? I'm doing well. And, you know, I was just thinking, doesn't archery elk season start like in a week? It does. It just seems, you know, I've had a handful of buddies that I archery out with and and it, you know the reality of it just being around the corner is, uh, you know, it's still 95 degrees out, and you you still feel like it's summertime. But you know we're getting into that kind of transition time of year where we start doing some of those more fall type activities. Well, you know, Mister, well, we're going to talk fishing, you and I. But Mister Zelinsky is out there because he drew this sheep tag, and I'm so hopeful he's going to fill it. And I know he's had opportunities. Knowing him, he's trying to get the right ram, not just a ram. But he won't have had much time to be doing his normal elk scouting this year. Yeah, you know, and that's just and that's kind of the part of it. You know, being an outdoorsman in Colorado, there's so many awesome things that we can be doing. And when there's opportunities to hunt deer, elk, bear, sheep, moose, like Mandy had the moose tag this year, you know, there's, um, a lot on on a hunter's plate. If you really want to uh, to do your due diligence and, and prepare yourself for the season, you know, scouting is a huge part of it. And, and Nate, being the uh, you know kind of known for for being a, a very good elk hunter, you know, has preached for years the scouting for elk. And, you know, right now we'll see we'll kind of see how the season goes um, for elk season once once this sheep tag is is filled in either with, but, uh, you know, it'll be definitely be interesting to see what happens this year. Well, let's talk. Let's you and I go fishing because, you know what, everybody starts putting the, the fishing rods away as we get to the end of summer, and, and you know, and there's a lot of people that do hunt, so they're not out there. So not only does some of the best fishing of the year come from late summer and well into fall, but it's not as crowded and the weather is stable, and it's a lot of fun. So what are you seeing out there? You know, so it's funny you say that. You know, we start seeing less people out there, and you know, being a, being somebody who makes your living off of take, taking people fishing, kind of the vacation season. Um, you know, we definitely, you know, through the summer, we see tons of people out there. The the boat ramp parking lots are chock full. It's spinny, eleven mile, all these places, and uh, you know, it's definitely a busy time of year. But this time of year, we still have an opportunity, and it's not just because summer's over and summer vacations over. You know, like you said, a lot of people. You know, kind of give up on it, start moving on to some other activities, you know, especially now the Broncos are, are starting and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's definitely not the time of year for us as serious fishermen to put the rods away because right now this is, you know, this transition from, you know, late summer as we're starting to get to into fall can be some of the best times of year to target big fish and especially big trout. Well, and I know you're going to get into the big trout, but, you know, even all species, there's a, a level of predictability in this transition that doesn't happen in the spring. Exactly. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you have fish that are kind of in different uh, progressions as you get into, the, you know, whether you're dealing with spawning fish or, or ice out type of fish. And here, you know, in the late summer into fall, you've got fish that are very active, you know, still feeding really heavily. And uh, metabolism's high, water temperatures are high, but they're starting to cool off with their cool nights that we're having. 
And, you know, that mixture and that combination, you're right, adds some predictability to the fish. They're not making giant movements like they might make early in the season. And, uh, you know, it allows you to stay on the bite a little bit better, especially for those eaters out there that are kind of weekend warriors that can only fish Saturdays, Sundays, or Friday nights. Um, in the springtime, your bite could be completely different from, you know, it, it could change in a five-day period. I mean, it, it, we've seen it change overnight. And that's a cool thing, Terry, like you said, about this time of year is the fact that you can pretty well stand on the fish and kind of follow their movements because their movements are going to be much smaller and much less drastic um, and stay on the fish, but also stay on some big fish as well. All right. So what are you seeing and what are you doing? Where would you send people or where would you take them? You know, I'd say right now um, we're getting a lot of uh, trip requests for, you know, hey, I don't care what we catch. I just want to know what's hot. And, and right now I'd say there's nothing hotter than our trout bite that's happening in South Park right now. It, it, you know, whether you're an angler from Fort Collins, you know, up north or all the way down south, you know, Pueblo area, I think making that trip to South Park right now to catch these big cut bows, this has been, I'd say, the best late summer, uh, you know, transition time of year that we've ever had up there for big trout, whether it's whether it's Spinney, 11 Mile, or Antero. And I've been spending a lot of time at Spinney, and, you know, typically, Terry, we're throwing a lot of tube jigs as we get into the fall, the colder time of year. Um, and that's kind of the bread and butter bite in October, you know, September, October. But I'll tell you what, right now, these fish, especially the fish at Skinny, are absolutely crushing, uh, you know, tube jigs, four and a half to five inch tube jigs, bigger size. And, you know, but, the, but what I want to talk about today is kind of, targeting these fish like that and a lot of people you know terry when we hand somebody a rod that's got a tube jig on it and you know when you hear tube jig the first thing most guys think especially if you spend a lot of time bass fishing or lake trout fishing is we're fishing this on the bottom it's a jig it's got heavy lead in it you know we're basically gonna finesse this bait back to the boat you know fishing it like you know a tube jig was designed originally to look like a crawdad well we're catching a ton of fish on this white, on these brighter white, pinks, you know, those color tube jigs. And that's not real. I wouldn't say that's imitating a crawdad, but what it is, is it's kind of eliciting what we talk about a lot is that reaction bite. But what we're doing with these things is instead of fishing them, creeping them, just barely hopping them, we're ripping them back to the boat. Literally, I tell guys that are walleye fishing, we're fishing them like a blade bait or a jigging wrap, but in fast forward. Oh, you're yeah, you're absolutely right. And these fish, when they're aggressive, the water's still warm. Uh, a tube is one of the most versatile lures. You put change the weight you've got in it, and maybe a, even a little bit of placement of that lead in there, and you can get it to spiral like a bait fish. You can fish it on the bottom like a crawdad, but it it definitely will imitate a minnow or a large bait fish as you move it through the water, and those tentacles give it continuous movement. You know, you you hit it on the head there. Um, as far as, you know, the versatility of this bait, because it changes, it does change daily. But I'd say if I were to pick one lure right now that I had to stick with from the end of August, which is, you know, middle of August or end of August where we're at right now, all the way up till these lakes start closing or even to where you have to fish them from the bank, I would say a tube jig is going to be my go-to no matter what. And it's because of what you said there, the versatility. You can change up how you rig these things. You can rig them weedless. You can rig them almost weightless. Uh, you can change your weight size in there to fish them faster and to fish them slower, which kind of brings me up to my next point. You know, a lot of guys, you know, when they hear, oh, you're fishing it high in the water column, so we're going to fish with a lighter weight, which is good. It absolutely works. You know, a lot of times with these 
you know, four-inch tube jigs that we're fishing, uh, you know, the ideal weight for that would be, you know, a quarter ounce to uh, to maybe three-eighths ounce. But what we do sometimes, especially, you know, when we get high sun, it's still hot this time of year, so sometimes there is a finesse aspect of it. So what we do is I call it underweighting the tube. Basically what that is is you're fishing the lightest possible weight you can get inside that tube jig that isn't, you know, completely weight-free, and fishing that thing back and just hopping it and snap jigging it. And basically that thing's just fluttering around. You're still working it pretty fast, but it's fluttering and falling slow, fluttering and falling slow. And that absolutely can be dynamite, especially when we're talking about some of these high sun days, flat calm conditions. I mean, anybody can catch fish when they're, you know, when the conditions are good, cloudy, you know, we get a little bit of wind, a little bit of weather, a little bit of wind, but now, these flat, calm conditions that we get a lot this time of year, underweighting a two jig is an absolute killer technique for catching these big trout. Well, another thing you can do with that underweighted tube jig, you can fish it virtually right over the top of the weeds. Exactly. You know, you almost fish it like a soft jerk bait almost, but it still has that presentation for whatever reason. You know, we've tried, you know, whether it be sluggos or, or soft jerk baits, you know, a Cinco-style bait that, you know, has killer action when you when you twitch it and stuff, but it just, for whatever reason, doesn't breathe or doesn't, you know, send that thump through the water like a tube jig does. And that tube jig, when you flutter it over the top of the weeds and kind of fish it over the tops of those things, you can just absolutely have the best day of trout fishing of your life. Well, you know, and, and if it really comes down to where you really need to tick the top of the weeds, you can actually kind of uh, expose that tube jig and put the hook point back into the top skin if you need to. There's so many things you can do with it. When you talk about getting big trout this time of the year doing this, Will, what, what kind of size fish are we talking about? You know, it's funny. Yesterday was a perfect example of that. We had some people out on the boat that had not done a ton of trout fishing. The pike fishing's been really good, but we've been focusing on, you know, low light conditions for that early in the morning or in the evening. And I mentioned on the phone, I said, hey, the trout fishing's been really good. And the guy goes, yeah, I've caught a lot of trout. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily want to. And I, and I immediately knew I had that guy in the bag because I knew as soon as he hooked into his first South Park trout, he'd change his mind immediately. And, of course, you know, first thing, we hook up a, a big trout on a buzz bait while pike fishing. And the guy goes, so are all the trout like that in here? And I said, that's what they're like. That's what I was talking about. He immediately set the pike rod down and was like, well, let's trout fish if that's how they are. And we're talking about fish, Terry. The other day, we caught 43 rainbows in four hours or cut bows, and not a single one of those fish was under 21 inches. And so I'm saying these fish, you know, they're, they're big, heavy fish, 21 inches. I'd say they're ranging anywhere from four all the way up to 10 pounds. Wow. Those are, well, I mean, and that, you know, they're, they've managed spinny, especially as a trophy, both pike and trout fishery, and they've done so well. And of course, Antero's known for its growth rate. 11 miles, they're a little more dispersed because of bigger body water, but there's still plenty of forage. So the growth rate in that area is always phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these fish are just, I mean, every single one is built like a linebacker. They all, I mean, we're fishing medium, light to medium action rods. You know, for a lot of people, they say, boy, that seems a little bit heavy for trout fishing. But the reality is, is you can't turn these fish around. I mean, even when we hook up on them with our medium heavy action uh, spinning rods or bait casters and we're pipe fishing, 
you'd be amazed at how hard these things pull, and they got so much energy that you almost can't turn them around sometimes. Oh, you know, people don't understand a trout. You know, they, they catch a few stalker trout, which I'm all in favor of. I think the put-and-take trout fishery of stocking fish gets kids involved. It's a great fishery from a boat or shore. I even go do it once in a while when I when my ego suffered and I need to catch a fish. But <laughs> but people don't understand. When you get into trout that have grown up in a body of water like spinny, and they, uh, you know, probably either raised, either born there or raised as, a, as from a sub-catchable. This is a wild five-pound fish that wants everything it can to destroy your line. Oh, there, there's no question. It's, it's funny. You know, every once in a while, people get worn out from casting. We'll just throw a spoon or even lately... Uh, we'll run a tube jig with with the with the normal tube jig head inside, but the but the eye of the hook coming out the front of the bait, and it actually will kind of wobble a little bit like a spoon. And we'll throw those out behind the boat, and it's amazing how many times people are either not paying attention or not really knowing what to expect. And that rod just about gets ripped out of their hands. These fish hit so hard. Oh, it's tremendous. Hey, before we run out of uh, time, uh, what else have you guys seen going on? We've only got about a minute or so left. So what what are you seeing? Uh, what other kind of bites are you seeing around the area? You know, right now we're dealing with a really major uh, shad hatch at Chatfield Reservoir. So that bite's been a little less consistent than it typically has been. But I still um, know that you can get out there with a swim bait shallow. Um, you know, find some of those uh, hard structure areas and contour areas and catch those those walleyes. And we're starting to see some of those bigger fish. And because there's so much shad, they're beefing up. Um, so I'd say, you know, a, a soft plastic of some, time, of some kind, whether it's a paddle tail swim bait or even a, a twister tail, tip with a, a little tiny chunk of nightcrawler just to get some scent on it is still really effective. And as we start getting into the, to, to the cooler nights, cooling the water temperature down, we're going to start seeing this blade bait and this jigging rat bite ramp up as well. Um, there's a great smallmouth bite happening and largemouth bite, for that matter, happening at Pueblo Reservoir, deep points uh, with soft plastics. Uh, Cinco's have been great as well as that net rig. Um, guys catching a lot of fish, you know, smallmouth up to four pounds um, at Pueblo right now, uh, fishing soft plastics on deep points. And, again, uh, you can also run into some walleyes at, at Pueblo as well right now. Chatfield Street, like you said, a good walleye bite, you know, I'd say it's a little more inconsistent because of the shad population right now, but, but Cherry Creek actually has a great blade bait bite going on right now as well. Real quick, we've got some questions. A guy, as a nine-year-old, he likes to take fishing. I'm going to ask some of the upcoming guests the same question, but if you had to take a kid from the shore, uh, where would you take him? You know, up there, uh, we've had him on the show a bunch of times, but up there at St. Brain State Park, depending on where you're at, St. Ring is a great place to just take a kid to learn how to catch some fish. There's a ton of stockable or catchable rainbows that are stocked in there. There's also some catch and release ponds that have some great bass fishing. And, uh, you know, you just got to pay attention to which lakes you can use bait on. But, you know, biggest thing is, is a place where you can maybe run into some bluegills as well, and, and that's definitely an option there at St. Brain. Um, the ponds on the south side of Chatfield have a ton of green sunfish in them. It's all about catching fish for these kids. So just make sure you're out, you know, typically a box of night crawlers, some smaller hooks, and a bobber. And you can usually catch bluegills or trout just about anywhere. All right. Thank you, my friend. And if they need to book a trip, tightlineoutdoors.com or tightlineoutdoors on Facebook. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Lake John Resort is uh, Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it was a beautiful day here, but we have a little bit of that smoky haze rolling in. Hopefully you got a nice sunny day up there at uh, North Park. I wish. We are actually getting dumped on with rain right now, which is not a bad thing. It has been so dry up here. We kind of need it. So uh, we're getting rain right now. That's right. But by the time people get there, it'll be over with and it'll be perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? We're not going to discount or uh, poo-poo any precipitation we get this year um, across the state. I mean, speaking of that, how have the water levels and everything held up in your area? They're doing okay. You know, uh, Lake John is about a foot low compared to where it should be um, about this time of the year. So, you know, we're a little low. The Delaney's are, are averaging probably right in there in that foot foot low as well. But it uh, could be worse, you know, could be better, but uh, not not too terrible. No, a foot in today's uh and the state of things around the state is pretty pretty promising. So how's the fishing been? Let's start with Lake John. What's it been like? Fishing's been active. Uh, you know, beginning, uh, I guess it was beginning of July into August here, we've obviously seen the weeds and the moss, but uh, those that are having the patience to fish in there are pulling out some re- really nice fish still. Um, shore fishermen and boat fishermen have been successful. This literally like the last three days, I've weighed in over a handful of 19 to 20 inchers um, and measured them myself physically taking some pictures. So um, nice fish coming out right now. And probably some numbers too, if you can get to them. I mean, you know, you got to adjust your tactics a little bit, but we're getting, you know, if, if you understand how to do that, you can really get fish that are holding right in the edge and tops of those weeds and just have a heyday because Lake John not only grows big fish, but you guys have some pretty good significant numbers in that lake now, too. We do. We do. And you're right. Uh, people that, you know, don't fish the lake frequently, uh, we're more than happy every time they come up to just kind of say, hey, we know the weeds and the moss are here set up like this. And nine times out of 10, they come back and they were successful for the day and just tickled pink. And that's great. How about the Delaney's? How are they doing? Delaney's are doing good. Uh, they went through a pretty slow phase uh, in July, but um, just this past week, we had about a handful of anglers stop by and just had phenomenal pictures. Uh, my next fishing report that I'm going to do this coming week will have some of those North Delaney pictures on there. They were just pig- they were pulling out some pigs. I mean, big fish out of North Delaney right now. Now, the fish at North Delaney, are those um, cut bows or are there some browns in there? Most of them are browns. Okay, so the big browns are probably starting to get pretty aggressive, getting closer to spawning. Is that what's happening? 
Yes, uh, true. Uh, they will spawn in October, but they're going to continue to get aggressive into September as well. And uh, the pictures I have are some nice browns and then uh, some decent sized rainbows coming out of there as well. You know, a lot of people are afraid to use large enough baits for those big browns. When those big browns get aggressive, uh, if you're a fly fisherman, big streamers, if you're a, a conventional fisherman, don't be afraid to throw big stick baits and crank baits. You can use other means. And, of course, Delaney's are flies and lures only, where Lake John you can use bait, of course. But but the those Delaney's, when those big browns are aggressive, I've thrown stick baits that are three, four inches long, and they've just attacked them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the pictures that I have coming out next week, almost all of those were uh, caught on some really large Paulas uh, trolling from a boat. Yeah, and that's a great way. And, you know, don't be afraid to wade out in those lakes and cast either. And, you know, the same thing at Lake John. I don't know how deep the weeds go, but if you wade out a little bit, you can almost cast over them then and get to the tops a little better. It, it works pretty well. You know, if people are coming up to the North Park area. Why don't you tell them the kind of facilities you offer there? Absolutely. We have uh, four cabins here. They're kitchenette units. They can hold from two people to six people, and I'm usually pretty comfortably. Um, we have a general store and bait and tackle here. We also have uh, RV park with 30 um, hookups. That's water, sewer, and electric. You know, one of the things about those cabins, though, is you have to get out of bed to cast. They're not quite close enough. To... No, you do have to walk just a little bit, but waking up on the lake and the view that they have is phenomenal. <laughs> well, it is. It's. I mean, and you're right there. Virtually, you're 10 steps away from the lake where you can be fishing if you wanted to. Now, you may move around the lake, but it couldn't be more ideal as far as your location. And you say you have 30 RV sites now? We do. Wow, yep. that's that's impressive. You've expanded that, right? Yep, and our storage area. We store boats and RVs up here, and we're up to 28 spots on those as well. That's awesome. And then what kind of stuff do you offer at the general store? You know, we have some basic groceries. Um, we have a lot of camping supplies. We try to carry a little bit of everything just in case somebody forgot something, you know. Um, and then that full line of bait and tackle as well. Well, the biggest thing you offer, though, is advice because you guys are right there. You talk to the fishermen. You know what's working, what's not working. You see them come in to brag. So good, great place to pick up tips, too, while you're there. If people want more information, Nicole, if they want to get on your mailing list for your report, what's the best way to contact you guys? Uh, you can give us a call at 970-723-3226, or they can look on our website, lakejohnresort.com. We have a lot of information on there, but give us a call. We're we're always happy to answer questions, lead people in the right direction, help them out if they stop by. All right. Thank you so much, and good luck to you. I'm glad to hear it's going so well. And, yeah, it sounds like it might be a pretty good place to go fishing the next few days. Absolutely. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having us on. You bet. Thanks, Nicole. That's Nicole from the Lake John Resort. You know, we had um, Bill and Tish were there for years. They sold it a couple of years ago. Um, these people have just been wonderful. We get great reports for them. They've carried on the tradition of hospitality, and they're expanding the resources up there. And the fishing at Lake John was off and on for a while, for a couple of years there, and it really seems to be coming on. I not only think we're going to get incredible fall fishing there, where you're going to get a lot of numbers of fish and a you know, big ones thrown in. I think we're going to head for a great ice fishing season up there, too. So all that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Brad Peterson's going to join us, and we're going to talk some fishing. Then we're going to talk about, uh, for you duck and goose hunters, a special program we're going to have next week right here on Terry Wickstam Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I have that Jack Bill, y'all.
Aretha Franklin. We lost her this uh, past week. What a talent. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors, which was brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, frequent contributor uh, Brad Peterson. And Brad, we're going to talk a little fishing, but then uh, we're going to talk about kind of almost an event we're going to have on the show here next week, uh, a waterfall uh show for duck and goose hunters we'll talk about that in a minute but what are you seeing out there fishing wise uh, terry you know the fishing like will was talking about is is getting really good we're starting to get into that late summer early fall pattern and once you find the fish you're able to stay on them and the bite you know up in northern colorado has been really good um you know we heard uh Ron was on talking about the I-76 corridor. Well, the lakes going up. I-25 are doing well. Uh, doing well too. You've got uh, Boyd, Carter, Horsetooth, all those lakes up there. You're catching lots of bass and walleye. And some of the white bass are starting to pick up. So this is a great time to be out on the water. Hey, I got a quick question for you. And maybe you and I can spend, because you would do a lot of these kids fishing seminars and stuff. And we get, um, I try to cover it more and then we get away from it. But we had some people that actually texted in today and were wanting to take their kids out fishing. I'm not sure if they live in the Denver metro area, but let's just assume up and down the front range. You got any places or tips for people who want to get their kids out fishing? Well, Will, I was listening to the radio, and Will said one of my favorites, which is St. Brain, but he did a good job covering that. So let's look at a couple others. Not too far from St. Brain, you've got the Mead Pods. Um, They're a couple miles north and then a a couple miles back uh, west from St. Brain. Those are small little ponds. They get stocked with the nice stalker trout. They've got a good panfish population. That's what you really want to look for is a smaller body of water, that uh, has a good panfish population and maybe gets stocked with some trout. In the Fort Collins area, you've got City Park right there. That area gets stocked and ha- has good uh, good panfish with both crappie and bluegill and then even some bass mixed in there. And you get down in the metro area, uh, the Denver metro area, and you're talking about uh, Clement Park. Has some good stuff. The South Platte Park Ponds right there at uh, 470 and the South Platte River about Santa Fe. They all have really good fishing in there. But your goal is just to find spots that have lots of fish that uh, the kids can get activity. Action's the key. And I think we make it too complicated sometimes. You know, one of my favorite uh, presentations, obviously a bobber is a great way to get a kid out, but eventually he wants to cast some lures and stuff. But one of my favorite presentations is a small pencil bobber with about three feet of line sticking out underneath it, maybe two, and an unweighted hook with either a piece of soft plastic or a piece of night crawler. And when you're fishing panfish, you throw that out, and that, you know, if you've ever, you and I have stood on the docks in Minnesota, you throw something out and watch the bluegills come up as it slowly sinks. And it has that effect unless the fish are really deep. And when they do reel it in a little bit, that just comes back up and falls again. And it can be dynamite. Then if they're a little deeper, put a split shot on, get it deeper, maybe a bigger piece of night crawler. You know, once they start catching a few fish, then they'll let them throw some lures and things. But get them catching fish first. Yeah, that's the key. Just the action and, you know, being able to watch that bobber move, you know, it's something for them to keep attention to. I think that's a great presentation, Terry, and especially in the evening when those fish are up feeding on the insects. 
another way to set it up, you said put a little split shot, is when I started off fishing, my dad would put a jig at the bottom and then up about a foot, 18 inches, he would put a little dropper with the night crawler on there. And so oftentimes what you could do is you could catch two fish on one cast. And you want to talk talk about getting a kid really excited. Even if it's a, a four-inch bluegill and they've got one on the little jig and the next thing you know, they got another four-inch fish on the kids get super excited when that extra fish gets caught on. You get the added, you know, pull of a second fish. Um, just do whatever uh, that you can. Downsize both your line and your your lures and your hooks so that you're not too big for the small fish to get caught. The oh. key is just, you know, get them hooked. All right. Well, before we run out of time in this segment, we're doing a special show next week. Now, it's not going to be entirely waterfall. We have a couple segments that could be other things, but we're going to devote the majority of next week's show. You're going to come in studio. And, of course, you're a longtime waterfall enthusiast. You've run calling contests. You, you do a lot of waterfall hunting. And you've also lined up some special guests. Kind of tell us what you expect to cover next week. Well, next week, Terry, you called and said, you know, you really want to get some good information on waterfowl hunting. So I think we're going to target getting some information about if you're new to the state, kind of where to go waterfowl hunting, what the public opportunities are. Then we're going to talk maybe a little bit about the equipment that you need, camouflage, uh, decoys, and just some of the real basics. And then we've been lucky enough to line up a couple amazing guests. So we're going to talk about shooting. And I think you said Colorado Clays will be on talking a segment right but in conjunction with that we also have Corey cogdell a two-time olympic medalist trap shooter who's going to come on she is a resident of down in colorado springs a lot of the year and i've been out duck hunting with her she is a big time hunter and she's going to give us some tips on how to get ready to go out there and get back in the swing of things uh get your gun moving you know increase your shooting skills and then on top of that, we're also going to have talk about duck and goose calling with one of the best callers and call manufacturers that's around, Tim Grounds. You know, Tim's a world multi-world champion goose caller and has been around in the industry for 40-plus years. It probably has forgot more about duck and goose hunting than most people will ever know. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and we're going to dedicate. You know, we've always talked a little waterfall in the past, and we'd have a segment here, a segment there. And I think the timing is going to be pretty good because teal season's right around the corner, and then we're going to have a little bit of a lull, and people will have time to get ready and really go after because we have some phenomenal goose hunting, especially in Colorado, but ducks too. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. We're blessed in Colorado having one of the largest or longest duck seasons, if you include our teal season that's uh, in mid-September, and then our duck season opens from in the mountains on the, the central flyway from late September. We run all the way till the end of January, and then goose season runs from early November to the middle of February. So from the month of September through the month of February, not including the snow goose season, you're able to hunt waterfowl every one of those months. So people who like maybe going out big game hunting and get in their one big hunt a year, this is a type of hunting that you can experience and get out there and, and do it several different times throughout the year. And that's one of the things I love the most is that it's not just a, a one and done type thing. It actually is a hunt that you can go out 
you know, 10, 15 times a year with buddies and, and really get to enjoy and, and practice the skills. We're out of time, Brad, but if people wanted more information or to book a fishing trip with you as a guide, how do they get a hold of you? You can go to uh, Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we will have you in studio here next week. All right, looking forward to it. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And you need to go to their Facebook page or mine, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. There's a Sun Enterprises. And find out how you register to go on an ice fishing trip with Nate Zielinski and me. Let's go right to the phones talking about fishing. One of our regular contributors and a very accomplished anger, angler, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Ronnie, I know you want to talk about fall water and i'll tell you what this year we could be faced with some of the most drastic falling water conditions in some places that we've faced in over a decade yeah the water's definitely dropping in a lot of lakes around the state terry and it's it's you know something we see every year you know water always falls out of our reservoirs for the most part but uh, there's definitely some things that change when the water starts dropping out of these bodies of water and one of the big ones, Terry, and this happens up on horse too, that happens on Boyd, Chatfield, you know, any lakes that fluctuate like that, is that as the water drops, there's less rock that is in the water and there's more muddy kind of banks and therefore you end up getting mud lines forming terry so the mud lines are an excellent pattern to run this time of year fish without a doubt will will pull up and feed in those mud lines below those mud lines next to those mud lines but it's about timing those mud lines terry you know they, they don't fish the same late in the day as they fish early in the morning or midday and so uh, an angler's got to pay attention to that you really got to learn when the mud lines form on your particular body of water terry well i think Part of the reason for that, Ronnie, and I know you're well aware of this, is that when mud lines are forming, they're usually formed by some wave activity of exposed mud because the water is below the rock, and they form first on top, so they form like a cover for the fish. But then once those mud lines start, you start getting mud developing in the entire water column, it's harder for the feed to fish, and they may move or be harder to catch. Yeah, I think in a lot of circumstances, when the when the water gets really, really dirty and it's falling all the way through the water column, like you're talking about, I think it's it's at the, the strike zone for the fish gets really, really shrunken down, Terry. So you know you can still catch fish in muddy water. I'll give you an example. You know, last night we were out on Boyd, and uh, we didn't get out there till you know mid afternoon, late afternoon, that kind of a thing, Terry. And boy, the water level is definitely dropping on. It's falling probably you know two to four inches a day, that kind of a thing. So the water's dropping, and once the boats get out and start running around, Terry, and you get the people that are out skiing and, and working the, the jet skis and all that kind of stuff, they're throwing the wakes at the bank, and the wakes are what are stirring up the mud, that kind of a thing, Terry, the waves like you're talking about. Well, when we got out on board yesterday afternoon, you know, the very first bank I ran to, and this is kind of key when you're, when you're thinking about fishing mud lines this time of year, Terry, uh, I tend to look for the steeper banks that have the mud on them. So, you know, on Boyd, for example, there's there's a bunch of big flats. There's these big flat areas. Well, the flats can get really muddy really fast, and they'll just kind of be muddy throughout the whole area like that. If you can find the slightly steeper banks on a lake like Boyd, and that's one of the first places we stopped was on a bank that's really, really steep on that lake. The mud line, you know, yesterday, 
yesterday at about three o'clock was pushed real tight to that steep bank, Terry. It was only, you know, coming off the bank maybe five to ten feet. The grass grows right out on that outside edge of that mud line on that bank, and then there was clear water on the outside of that grass line. Um, we were able to catch fish in that stretch real, real easily on reaction style baits. So uh, the chatter bait worked really well. Spinner baits worked really well in that scenario. Uh, the bass are in amongst that grass, and they were willing to chase. They were willing to come out of the grass to hit the moving baits because the water wasn't real, real dirty. As we worked our way around the lake and we got on some other stretches that the mudline had formed much earlier in the day and had kind of, you know, blown through the whole water column like you're talking about, you know, in those areas of the lake, we could not get them to bite reaction-style bait. So they wouldn't touch a spinnerbait. They wouldn't eat the chatterbait. Uh, we had to pull right into the mats, and we had to flip, and we had to flip really, really accurately into that stuff and fish, you know, every six inches around those mats in order to drop it right on their heads and get them to bite. Once we did that, we were able to pull fish out of that stuff. But that's just kind of a scenario where you can see the, the way fish behave differently. On horse tooth, you know, horse tooth running the mud lines is a classic pattern that we run all, you know, mid-summer, all through summer, that kind of a thing, Terry. Um, the key on horse tooth is to understand what you want to look for on horse tooth is you want to look for the steeper banks and you want to look for the isolated isolated mud lines. So you don't want to pull up to a bank that's a half a mile long and is solid dirt on horse tooth this time of year. Uh, that will get muddy real, real fast once the wake borders are out and that kind of a thing. And, and that whole bank right there, you kind of want to avoid. It's very difficult. What you want to look for is you want to look for one of the steeper banks that's mostly rock but has a small little area of dirt, you know, like a rock slide area. Or on, on horse tooth, there's a lot of little quarry areas where they quarried rock out way back in the day and and now what you got there is you got a little bit of dirt that's got rock all the way around it those isolated mud lines those real small little mud line areas especially when they're forming terry those can be money there's no doubt about it um now the forming part of the mud line that's important we talked about that a little bit but people got to understand that is a key um you want to be there when the mud is floating high in the water column you want to be there when there's clear water when you can see a hard edge to that mud line and when there's clear water still underneath the mud that's floating high in the water column. It's pretty easy to see once you get there and you see that scenario and you'll understand, oh, clear water mixed with the dirt. That makes sense. Hard edge. I can see all that. Um, if you pull up to a bank and it's just solid, muddy, dirty, dirty water, uh, you're going to struggle on a lot of these bodies of water fishing that, Terry. So uh, on horses, for example, it's usually right about, 10 to 10.30 in the afternoon or in the morning, you know, that's when the skiers usually get out on the lake and start working their way around. And so usually right around 10.30 or so, you'll get forming mud lines. And I'm sure a lot of the bodies of water around the state are probably on that same kind of time frame, Terry, because it just seems like that's when the majority of the boats hit the water, Terry. Do you uh, throw a different presentation on horse tooth because you have a little different species mix? Yeah, so you know, if I'm looking for largemouth, then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you know like down on Boyd, I'm gonna throw spinner baits, chatter baits, maybe a square bill, something along those lines. If I'm looking for walleyes, either on a horse tooth or Boyd, then a lot of times I'm gonna end up swimming a grub, something like a four inch. Uh, 
a gulp, you know, like a black gulp rub, that kind of a thing, Carrie. Um, up on horse youth as well, we catch the smallmouth in the mud lines. But we'll catch them on square bills, crankbaits, things like that. I don't tend to catch a lot of them on chatterbaits up there during the day or on spinnerbaits, but in the evening they bite those pretty well. Um, the grub works real well up there as well for the smallmouth as well, Terry. So really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for something that's you know, got the right size, the right profile for the fish I'm targeting, but something that's moving, that's throwing off a vibration and throwing off a fairly steady vibration as the bait moves so that the fish can track in on it with their lateral line, come in on it, and then once they get close enough, they'll visually be able to see it and they'll eat that. So you want to think about that. You want to throw baits that throw off vibrations, baits that make sound. And this time of year, it's really about moving baits. You know, the jigging bite up on horse suits really kind of gone away for me recently, Terry, but the moving baits are really picking up because the bait's moving around the lake and we're, it's just that kind of year, Terry. You know, it's that time of the year. Well, you're right. It's a reaction style bait right now. Hey, Ronnie, if people wanted to get out in the boat and learn more about this, how would they book a trip with you? Fishfulvinger.com. You can go on fishfulvinger.com. You can book a trip. You can get a hold of us on Facebook. You can find me, Ronnie Testaleone, on Facebook. You can find Chad LaChance or Fishful Thinker on Facebook. Uh, just get a hold of us. Send us an email or give us a phone call, and uh, we'll set you up a trip. Uh, fall is right around the corner, and fall is one of my favorite times of the year, Terry. So yep, and, uh, I, I'd be calling me right now if you're looking for a fall trip. Well, absolutely, and we need to have a dinner and a bottle of wine soon, my friend. Let's do it, Terry. All right. We'll let you go. We'll talk to you soon, Ronnie. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks, Ronnie Castiglione, a great angler. Good, great, great information. Today we covered a lot of stuff. Remember now, next week we're doing our waterfowl show. I mean, we'll have a couple other topics moved in there, so don't think we won't cover a fish bite or something like that. But we're going to dedicate the majority of the show to duck and goose hunting, both for beginners and advanced. We're not only going to have regional people on, we're going to have some of the best uh, experts around the country on. Really going to get some great, great information for that. And follow us on Facebook. If you follow us on Facebook, I'm sure we'll post a, a bunch of what we're going to have on next week there. We post our 20 Years of Terrier Trivia on there. And by the way, if you would have been following us on Facebook, you would have known that those three sponsors that have been partners for a decade or more were Trigger Time Gun Club, Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Longmont, and uh, A&A Toppers. And if you would have been able to put two of those down, you might have won uh, a gift certificate for almost $100 worth of honey-smoked salmon. So you need to follow. Don't forget about the great event at Trigger Time. Uh, on September 8th, we'll tell you more about it the next couple of weeks. They're going to have uh, the people from STI handguns out there. And these are these handguns are they're they're 1911 style, but they've made a, a, a double stack clip. They call them their 2011 and they've got the most incredible triggers and they are their recoil absorption is so incredible. They shoot so flat. They're just really great. And don't forget, go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and learn how to register. You've only got till September 1st to register to win an ice fishing trip with Nate Zielinski and me, a full day, everything included. We're going to take you out there. We're going to put you on fish. We're going to teach you about ice fishing, whether you're advanced or whether you're a, uh, a beginner, we're going to get you uh, into the ice fishing realm here. It's going to be a fantastic trip. We'll probably take the trip in December. Thanks to Kyle for keeping this thing flowing, for Karen for making me stay on the path and lining everything up. Thank you, folks, for listening to us. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in ESPN Sports on 104.3 The Fan. There she stood in-